0: All right, folks, we are back again with book recommendations part two. I'm going to keep the intro short and sweet because you guys already know what it is. But if you haven't seen, there's a part one where I cover um, fiction, romance, and short story collections. And today I'm going to be going through sci-fi, fantasy, adventure, as well as my favorite non-fictions and memoirs. This is a mix of my all-time favorites and just some books I've read recently that I really liked. Um, Hoping to kickstart y'all out of a reading slump, if that's what you're in. So, let's get it going. Hey everyone, this is Editing Camellia. If you notice that my voice kind of changes midway through this and then changes back, that is (laughs) because I did get sick midway through recording this episode. So, yeah, if you notice that I sound really sick and a little out of it, um, that's because I was sick and out of it. This is Camelia. Please pick up the phone. Okay, so let's start out with fantasy, adventure, I don't know, I feel like those, the lines between those genres blur, so everything that's not realistic fiction, um... I'm actually starting out with two books by the same author. The first one is Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo. And this is a heist novel and there are six different main characters. I just love everything about this book. It's so fun and just like enthralling. I love the fact that there are six main characters and they're all so different and so fully fleshed out and like so interesting as people. Like, for example, there are two different characters who have different experiences like doing sex work, basically, and their experiences are really different and like their thoughts on it are really different. I think the way that Lee Bardugo writes her characters, I don't know, it just makes them such like real three-dimensional people. And I think that she includes a lot of details that a lot of people wouldn't, especially in like action-adventure novels where sometimes all the characters are like kind of tropey all the characters have such different strengths. They're kind of like an unlikely band of friends and they're trying to like pull off this really massive heist. And um, it also takes place in a fantastical world with like different countries. So there's kind of like the politics of those nations as well. And I love this like underdog kids trying to pull off the impossible sort of thing. Like I think those novels are so fun. And yeah, this was just like a joy to read. Like it's a long ass book and I read it so quickly because I couldn't put it down. The next book, also by Leigh Bardugo, is called The Ninth House. This one is really different than Six of Crows. Um, It takes place in the real world. And the main character, Alex, is basically given this sort of crazy opportunity to just attend Yale. But there are sort of a lot of strings attached. And she has to be the person keeping an eye on the secret societies at Yale. And also, there's a lot of supernatural stuff. <laughs> I don't want to explain too much about it because I don't want to give anything away. But I think it's very cool how the secret societies, which do actually exist at Yale, are also tied into, like, some supernatural things. I feel like I'm not even doing this justice, but it's it's just cool. I find secret societies really cool. I think it's an interesting way to have sort of, like, a paranormal mystery and, um... And, you know, I will say, though, it's a book that really, like, builds, like, I found it a little slow in the start, because, I guess, like, not slow, but hard to get into, because they don't really tell you what's going on, they just throw you into the middle of the action, and I was like, I don't know who this chick is, (laughs) like, I don't know what's happening, I don't know why I should care, um... And then they slowly unravel, like, what's going on, what's happened. They show you pieces of the past that we've missed from earlier in the school year and, like, this girl's life before she came to Yale. So I'd say it takes a few chapters to get, like, really enthralled because it can just be, like, a lot of info at the beginning. But then once you're in, you're so in it. And then having to, like, slowly find out what's previously happened and try to put it all together is so crazy. And, yeah, this is a more, like, Six of Crows is a little more young adult, where there are, like, adult themes, but they're not really talked about. But this one is definitely more of a adult novel, where, like, more serious things are discussed. But no one listens to my podcast as, like, a child, so it's fine. But I guess I just meant it's slightly, like, darker in themes and stuff. Um, And what's funny is that Leigh Bardugo actually has a third series of books, The Shadow and Bone and that series. And honestly, I would not recommend them. Um, Other people might have other experiences, but I loved these two series that I just mentioned so, so much. And I read the entire Shadow and Bone trilogy, because I was just waiting for it to get good. And I didn't like it one bit, not at all. (laughs) So I don't don't really know where that came from. But um, if you and I have similar tastes, then you might feel similarly. Okay, the next book on the list is Bunny by Mona Awad. Now, this is for sure the most bonkers crazy book I have read in a while, but it's still fantastic, even though it kind of makes you feel like you are actively taking drugs the entire time. The premise of the book is that the main character goes to, like, this super small... Um, Private graduate school program That's very selective And very very renowned And she's a writer And so in her program it's her And then this other group of four young women Who are like Basically culty in their friendship Like they're all obsessed with each other They all have these nicknames for each other They do everything together They have a million inside jokes And they like don't really interact with anyone else uh, The main character Samantha Is like definitely on the outs from them so then, like, she sort of gets a chance to get to know them more. But Samantha also already has a friend who kind of, like, helps her embrace being a little more counterculture and not fitting in. And then she has to kind of, like, struggle between those friendships. But the book is very different than that, like, basic plot. Like, it's very trippy and things sort of shift Throughout it, like, there are different almost phases in the book as Samantha's decisions change where, like, her mental state is changing and the writing style is different and, like, different themes are present in the book. And the book is honestly really centered around all of these women, Samantha, these four other girls, and Samantha's best friend. So it's such an interesting look at femininity and the way that, like, we view traditionally feminine or, like, girly girl things It's another example of kind of a magical realism book where all of these crazy things happen, but they're sort of acknowledged as crazy, but not really, and they're never really explained. That's pretty much all I can say. I don't know if I've done this any justice at all. It is very confusing and weird, so definitely don't read it if you want something that reads like narrative fiction. If you're ready to have something that is not like any book you've ever read ever, then I think you will really like this. Alright, the next book I'm recommending is a fantasy mystery called Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. I was really intrigued to read this book by its premise. The basic concept is Ivy is the main character and she is a private investigator just like living her normal life. She has a twin sister who's, like, magical and went to, like, a Hogwarts-style magical school when they were children, and so they've been, like, pretty estranged. And I just think that's such an interesting concept, because I feel like that's how we all feel about Harry Potter. Like, it's like, damn, imagine if something this amazing existed, and then you had to just, like, go back to your random public school. (laughs) And that's kind of Ivy's life. And she gets hired to investigate a mystery at the magical school. My favorite things about this book are Ivy's detective ability. I feel like too often in these stories that have detectives, these Sherlock Holmes style characters are somehow like almost supernaturally gifted at figuring things out and they're like, their mind is is amazing and spectacular and they're like putting together all these things that no one else could have seen. And it's like, That's not Ivy. Ivy's just good with people. And, like, that's really what a lot of detective work is. Like, and she actually, like, we're obviously in her perspective, so we can hear her thinking and her putting together things in ways that actually make sense. Like, she's reading people's body language and, like, understanding their tone to get at, like, whether they may be hiding something or, like, what the dynamics in, like, friend groups are and things. And she's also skilled enough herself socially to kind of, like, use that back at people. Like, she adjusts how she presents herself to give off a certain impression. And I think that's really clever and made me actually believe her as a detective, and, yeah, the, also the fact that there is a magic school, but it's not, like, so sort of fancy, like, everything works out for you, like, Hogwarts. It's kind of, like, like her and her sister, like, leave the magical school at one point and then, like, go into town and, like, get drunk at a dive bar. So it's, it's not, like, um, like, the real world is still very much there and all of these, like, sort of human social dynamics are, like, honestly more important than the magic because it's like this is a school for teenagers so above all else they're just gonna be teenagers it was this the greatest mystery i've ever read no like the the plot is good but it's not like so enthralling you'll be on the edge of your seat the whole time but i like the characters and i like the fact that it's a magical mystery and i feel like um this is a good pick for the jaded harry potter crew it's not too um you know intense but it's not too like light and fluffy either it's a nice middle Now we're going to start memoirs and nonfiction books. First up is Nine Years Under by Sherry Booker. I guess it's an autobiography. It's Sherry writing about herself. And um, she's writing about her childhood and adolescence um, growing up in Baltimore where she worked at a funeral home. This book is so fun primarily because of the way that Sherry Booker writes. Um, There are a lot of heavy topics in it because... It's sort of her as a child coming to understand death first through the deaths, um, in her family, and then through working in this funeral home, and through the funeral home, she gets a much clearer picture of what death looks like in her broader community, but she's also like a kid who's growing up, and she kind of just has this kid's, like, joyful, positive perspective, and, um... She, like, loves getting to work at the funeral home. The funeral home is seen as a big deal and kind of cool. We get to know all the people who work there and, like, all these things that happen to her as she grows up. And it's just so interesting, and it's such a great mix. I learned a lot about funeral homes, actually, um, which I guess I had never given the credit they were due for being such important parts of a community because, you know, where you lay someone to rest is a really big deal. But also, it's, like, very funny. Um, It's very charming, I, I really rooted for her throughout the book, and I found myself, like, really wanting things to happen. Like, there's one point where she has a crush on a boy, and I kept waiting for them to get together, and then I was like, this isn't, <laughs> it's not fiction. Like, something's not gonna happen for the plot. It's only gonna happen if it happened to her in real life. Um, but it definitely reads almost just like a fictional book, because that's really how it's written. Like, Sherry's writing from her own perspective when she's younger. She's not, like, really commenting on it as as an adult woman. The next book I'm talking about is also a memoir. It is Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. And this book is so beautiful and so profound. Um, On the front, I own a physical copy of this, and on the front, um, there's a quote from Toni Morrison where she's saying, this is required reading. And honestly, could not agree more. Like, that is the perfect way to say it. If I could make everyone in my life read certain books this would definitely be one of the ones that I would choose. Ta-Nehisi Coates is basically writing a memoir about his life up to where he is now. The entire thing is framed as a letter to his son, um, and he takes you through his own experiences as a child and teenager up through being an adult. And he talks about a lot of things. Um, he It's mostly about race, America, and obviously like a lot of history and just societal issues in general are tied into that. But um, because he writes about his growing up, it's like you get to see how he comes to his own understandings of how the world works and how power in the world works through his life experiences. The thing I'll really say about this book is that I have never seen an author who is more gifted at bringing you into their worldview than Ta-Nehisi Coates. Like, when I put down this book, I was like, I kind of am him. Like, he takes you so completely into his perspective that I finished this book and felt very changed. Like, I felt like I had gained genuinely a deeper understanding and a deeper empathy for the world. Because it it made me very viscerally get outside of myself. In a way that I think that not a lot of authors are able to do. So yeah, I love everything he does. Um, but I love this book particularly. Next is I don't know um if it really is classified as a biography or just a book about history, but either way it's nonfiction. And um this is Cleopatra by Stacy Schiff. Obviously, this is a book about Cleopatra's life. So Stacy Schiff is a historian. And this book was actually not what I expected. I picked it up because I thought it would be, like, sort of a fun book. Like, those books that are factual and take you through a historical figure's life, but do so in sort of, like, a fun way that kind of feels like you're reading fiction. And I will say that's not what this book is. Like, it's very academic, and the writing style is... Sort of more serious and more like Higher level like I take I took breaks when I was reading this because Just like there's like citations on Everything and it's just like a little more dense Than it is a light read I was really compelled to read it because Of actually there's like an introductory Chapter where the author Explains how she'll be approaching Cleopatra and like what sort of Her take is on Cleopatra's life in the Way that we talk about her and it was really interesting because it really unpacked a lot of things that I hear all the time. And the author was like, you know, we we talk about Cleopatra like she's seduced all of these men across Europe to gain her power and she used her body and whatever, her sensuality. And she was like, well, f- first of all, that's not true at all because she was like a young girl. And also... That's not even what historians... Like, that's not what other people at the time said about her. She wasn't known for being, like, the most beautiful woman in the world. She was known for being, like, extremely smart, funny, and witty. And, you know, like, all of these people were compelled by her because she was a compelling, charismatic young woman. Like Cleopatra is remembered for like her eyeliner More than she is for her political savvy Even though at the time she was known For being incredibly intelligent Like a great military leader Very involved in politics She was the first person in her family To make it past the age of like 15 (laughs) Like um, Crazy stuff like that And so that really made me a lot more curious To learn more about Cleopatra Especially since so much of the way we talk about her Kind of like how we talk about Marilyn Monroe I did find the book really interesting, not to mention it won a Pulitzer, so clearly a lot of other people thought that too. But the final book I'm recommending is also a biography, kind of. God, why am I so bad at explaining books? How do people do this for a living? The last book I'm recommending is called Go Ahead in the Rain, Notes to a Tribe Called Quest by Hanif abdur He is a poet and author who writes about the history and legacy of A Tribe Called Quest. The reason why I hate to really call it a biography is because he also sort of talks about the evolution of A Tribe Called Quest by talking about some of his own experiences at the time as well. Like, he'll talk about um, memories from his different ages when different things came out or, like, what music meant to, like, him and his friends at the time and, like, some of the broader impact of Tribe's work. Hanif abdur like I said, is a poet also, and he's just a beautiful writer. His use of words is just fantastic. It's so pretty and enjoyable to read. So um, this book is also a very nice just experience to read. And it's a pretty short book, if that makes a difference to you. I think the way that he writes makes everything seem very, like, kind of romantic and nostalgic, which is a really wonderful way to pay a tribute to a group that, like, was and still is very important to a lot of people. You've reached the voicemail of Camelia. Please hang up and dial again. for listening to this episode of Pick Up the Phone, our show would not be possible without the support of our amazing team. Our executive producer is Camelia Pastor, our audio editor is Camelia Pastor, our graphic designer is Camelia Pastor, our marketing team, Camelia and Pastor, sales and analytics, Camelia Pastor, and of course this season's intern is Camelia Pastor.